Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. to be here and to see all of you guys. Man, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, for those of you I haven't got to meet before, my name is Mark Urquhart, and, and I was a pastor here a long time ago, and you guys have done a lot of amazing things since then. I want to I, I tell you that um, I kind of want to apologize right off the bat because I wrestled with the Lord a little bit about this. I felt like he put a pretty heavy message on me for you. And I think it's real. Um, I think it's a real timely message for you. But if you remember before, whenever I was here, my kind of my favorite types of messages to preach were the whole rainbow butterfly thing. I like to make it, and I wanted to come in today and just make it like light and easy and good, and and uh, and and just kind of have fun. But I felt like I still feel like I'll, I'm I'm going to have fun. I don't know about you guys. But I still feel like it's going to be that. But as I pray for you as a family, because obviously, I mean, this is always, this is on, in my heart, this church is always going to take a major part of my heart up. Um, and so as I pray for you as a family, as, as my family members, it's my desire to, to come in and to really be able to hand you as a church Hopefully, a word that will that will cause some stirring in you, and just cause some some really some really deep contemplation, and just asking Holy Spirit what He would do with it. And so, what I would ask you to do is is just hear what I have to say today, and then lay it out before the Lord and say, God, show me. Is this for me? Is this is this a word? You, what and what do you want me to do with it? And ask Him how to make it a real pla- uh, a real practical. Uh, word that you can apply to what's going on here because that being said as I pray for you I mean I'm 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 not dumb I know where you guys are you, as a church there's so you're in a great spot but a hard spot this is a very hard spot in life I mean when you lose a pastor like you're like the pastor you just lost I mean man come on it doesn't get any better than Matt Cordova and just the quality of the, of the fiber of that guy's being, it just, he just makes every room he's in better. And so when you lose a guy like that, it's a hard thing. And so what comes in to the church is, is so many opportunities for disappointment, uh, to get to get your focus off on something else. So many opportunities, especially... Hear me say this, especially 
to have to pick up some type of an offense, an offense towards, you know, some of you maybe before maybe had maybe an offense towards me when I left. Some of you may have had an offense towards Matt or maybe an offense towards the fact that Matt had to leave or just the fact that the church has to change. Whatever, I want to tell you that those those places of offense become real strongholds that the enemy uses and it, and it, and he and his plan is Listen to me closely. The enemy's plan is to make this a skating rink. You know what I mean? He wants it to be anything else but the river. He wants to shut you down. He wants to do whatever he can to come in and cripple you because life comes out of here. Life comes out of here and life happens in your world. And so here's what I felt like the Lord told me specifically as far as preaching this message today. I felt like he just dropped this download in me, and, and, and what I heard was fight or flight. The fight or flight response is a, and I, Tanner, I'm sorry, I didn't have my Wi-Fi on, so I know you don't have the scriptures up, but I'll read them, and I'll just let people kind of tag along with me. So, sorry about that, but the fight or flight response, this is, this is an automatic uh, reaction that happens whenever we have an event that is perceived to be stressful or frightening. The, the, the perception of the threat activates this sympathetic nervous system and it triggers this acute stress response that prepares the body to do one of two things, either to fight or to take flight. And I feel like you as a body are at a fight or flight stage. And I, and I want to get into that, and I want to talk about that a little deeper. What I want you to realize is, is this, front, I, I believe from God, not that it hasn't been before. I personally happen to know it has been before, but I want to tell you, I feel like God is saying to you, it is time to get more serious about church than you've ever been in your life. Because hear me. As I go into this whole thing, church is God's idea. Church, the bride of Christ, the, the, the answers to life are not coming through anything else. They're coming through the church. God doesn't have a plan B. Plan A is his plan, and it is for the church to step into the authority that God's provided for it so that the church can make, can make everything change around it the way God wants it to. And hey, listen, I don't care where, where it is. One of the things that God has developed in me over the last few years is a love, I think a love that I've never known to have, but a love for the church, for the body, and to see the body prosper. And so... I think as a church, it's time to really dig in and, and, and hopefully really press into this. So, so what determines in that fight or flight response, what determines if I fight or if I take flight? What determines that is my reason. The reason that I run or the reason that I fight. Think of it like this. Here in a couple of months... You're going to have an incredible baby. The Lord's hand is on you, and the Lord is holding this womb. Man, you, this baby is going to form in you and in you perfectly right now. 
And these babies are going to be born and they're going to be blessed. So I want you to think about your reason for a minute. So if you're, if, if six months or eight months from now, whatever it is, I'm not a very good mathematician. I don't know where you are, but February, March, somewhere in that May, let's say May, we'll be safe. When May comes, if either one of them are in their car, if it, well, if somebody comes up to your car today and they point a gun at you and they're trying to carjack you. Your reason for determining what am I going to do? Am I going to scream? Am I going to honk? Am I going to drive off? Am I going to get out? What am I going to do? Your reason for that is kind of, at this point, is your car. Like, is my car worth? What do I need to do? How do I, and and what you're going to naturally process is, how do I give you what you want without you hurting me? Have my car, have my purse, or whatever's in it. That's my reason. Eight months from now, when the baby's in the back seat, if someone comes up and tries to carjack that mom, guess what the reason's done? The reason's changed drastically. Now all of a sudden, you, I may die, but you're not getting my car. And it's not about my car. It's about what's in the back seat of my car. You're not getting this baby no matter what. The reasons have changed. And what I want to say to you is, I feel like as a church, you have been through so much over the last several years of your life. You've been through so much, but here's the deal. I feel like it's time. The, 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 the enemy wants to say something drastically different than the Lord. I feel like the enemy says, it's time to run. It's time to take flight. It's time to make something else happen. But I feel like the Lord says, it's time to throw down. I feel like the Lord wants you to dig your heels in and throw down and say, okay, God, what, what is this? And so here's, here's what I want to tell you. What you. How you develop the depth of that is you really look at your reasons and your reasons for understanding church come down to one of two, two things. You develop reasons from one of these two places. Sorry about that. I'm still... I guess still puberty, or maybe I'm nervous, I don't know. Here's the reasons for church. You only develop your reasons for church based off of one of these two things. Either one, a religion. And some of you are here today for very religious reasons. Nobody's mad at you, God's not mad at you, but look, that's never going to cause you to want to stay and fight. It's going to cause you to be willing to run at the drop of a hat. Ah, church, I don't know. I got something better. Or this is happening or this is happening. I'm always looking for something better when I have a religious reason for church. How do I know if I have a religious reason for church? Well, I'm here because my mom made me, my wife made me, my kids make me, whatever the reason. Or here's the other reason. You develop a religious, a religious reason for going to church when you're here because you're afraid that God will be mad at you if you're not. God's not ever going to be mad at you. And so you got to quit going to church with that kind of understanding. God's not mad about that. But what God understands is when you have a, relig- a, a religious reason for attaching to your church, you're never going to be willing to dig in, to roll up your sleeves, and to fight as a body when it's time to fight. You're ready to run. You'll be ready to just bolt whenever the best excuse you can get. And so if you have a religious reason 
you, 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 will, you will be more apt to run. Here's the second reason to really get church. You learn what it means to develop a relationship with Jesus. When you can really find a real relationship with Jesus based on these two factors, watch these, these two things. One, first and foremost, I develop, I've got to learn how to develop a relationship with you, God, based on these two things. First, you are a good father. God, you're a good father. I'm starting, hey, you're a good man, thank you. Sorry, Jared, Jared tried to help me, but I denied it. Anyway, if first we realize God's a good father, and we really catch that, that God wants more. If you spend any time with me, you know one thing. I love my kids. I don't care what they're going through. I'm all in. I'm all in. Whatever we got to do. I'm, I love my kids. And yet, I don't have a, I haven't even scratched the surface of knowing how to be a good father. The father, I say that not to brag on me, but to say this, listen to me. God feels even more so like that about you. He's a good father. He knows you. He knows what your finances look like today. He knows what your marriage looks like today. He knows what your kids are going through today. He knows what you're going through today. He knows everything about you. And he is willing to move heaven and earth for you. He's a good father. First. Second. What is it that enables me to step into that to experience the good father that he is? You've got to understand this, and I've got to be real careful not to chase this rabbit because I can preach about this for about three months. But here's the, here's the thing. I think most churches miss this. I think most church people miss this. But listen to me. This will be a blast from the past for you for sure if you, you, you were here before when I preached. But listen to me. You are not a dirty sinner saved by grace. You cannot. That's an oxymoron. They don't go together. If you, you were a dirty sinner, but when you got saved by grace, you became the righteousness of God. You are a son, a highly favored son. There's a whole lot of sons in here. I can't speak for you, but I know my son's like, that old man up there, he will do whatever with me. He, I, he'll fight anybody. He'll lose with me. He'll give me what he's got because he knows he's my favorite son. My daughter knows she has access to everything. Why? Because she knows she's highly favored in my life. You've got to move into number two reasoning. You've got to recognize he's a good father and you are the righteousness of God, which allows you to come boldly before the throne of grace to stand and knock on the door and go God you see these finances they ain't working something's got to happen change in me whatever it is God my marriage is struggling I can't take this I'm willing to fight for this show me God work whatever the thing is you've got to recognize that you are righteous and that you have a good father those will help you develop a relationship with Jesus and that will drastically change how and why you church. So with that being said, and that's the, the majority of my message. I've only got like probably 55 minutes left. So here's what I want you to know. If you stay in religion of any of its forms, when things get tough, you will run. 
And you know a lot of people in your life that you go, holy mackerel, that helps me understand why they're not with me. A religious relationship will cause me to run, but a relationship with Jesus, when I understand he's a good father and I am his righteousness, he has, he has, God wants to withhold nothing from you. And he owns it all. So these things change. Religion will change your life for a time. A relationship with Jesus will change your life for all time. It's a big difference. So I want to look at Matthew 5. If you've got your Bible and you want to look with me or pull it up, in Matthew 5, I'm going to start out in chapter 21. I want you to see a couple of things, and we're going to kind of look at some religion and some relationship stuff. Matthew 5, 21. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of, a large, uh, of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was standing by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, look at this, he fell at his feet. Now I want to tell you this thing about Jairus. Jairus, when it says he was a synagogue le leader, that means he was an ultra, ultra religious person. Jairus was not used to being around Jesus because the religious people, I hope you catch this because it still happens today, the religious people are a little too good for Jesus. They've, if you read Jesus, you study anything about the Gospels, you see they were always trying to pick a fight with Jesus, standing in the middle of a field. Jesus' disciples are eating because they're hungry. Ah, why are your disciples doing what you shouldn't do on the Sabbath? They're picking grain on the Sabbath. I, and Jesus turns around and he's like, because they're hungry, dummy. I would have said, why are you in the middle of this field with me? You religious freako, go somewhere else. Why are you following me and my guys out in the field? Religious people. Jairus was a, a leader of the synagogue. This guy was a big deal in the religious realm. Verse 23. He, we see he just fell to Jesus' feet. And then he said, he pleaded with him earnestly. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her that she will be healed and live. What we see here, <clears throat> we see two reasons. We see Jairus. We see Jairus' daughter. They're both in great conflict. Jairus, because because just like the whole carjacking thing, Jairus, if he was trying to get carjacked, he would have just gone to the church and had a council meeting and figured out what to do to fix it. But now somebody, now the enemy's trying to carjack him and his daughter's in the back seat. And Jairus has given up everything. You got to understand this. As a religious synagogue leader, when he ran and the scripture says, he first thing he did was fell down at the feet of Jesus. Look, when you're on the ground like this, nothing about you can feel cool or tough or you, you've given up everything. And as this leader, just to take this position was costly to him. He takes this position in front of Jesus. It costs him everything. Because he says, my daughter is in trouble. So we see, we see two reasons. Jairus, Jairus' daughter. So Jesus, 
understood who Jairus was and he knew that Jairus normally would have gone to the church. But as his reason, hear me church, as his reason increased, Jairus figured out, I got to go to Jesus. I'm just going to tell you as a church, if you keep running to church the way a lot of you have run to church, nothing will change. But as a church, if you figure out, hey, we better as a body learn what it is to run and fall down at the feet of Jesus, then you can't even imagine what God's plan is for this place. What, what, what will it look like? What will God's plan look like? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Verse 24. So Jesus went with him. Jesus was used to denying the religious people because they always wanted to pick a fight. But now Jairus has prostrated, him, prostrated himself. I, I don't know where prostate came from, but <laughs> prostrate. <laughs> That's what I do, remember? <laughs> How does prostate come out? <laughs> Jairus has fallen on his face, and Jesus is like, yeah, I'm, I'll go with you. So he goes with him, and a large crowd starts to follow him. Jesus was following Jairus. Here's what you have to ask. Was he following Jairus because he understood that Jairus was an important guy in the church? Jairus was a big deal in the community? Hey, this guy's a big deal. I'm going to go with him. Is that why Jesus was following him? Well, let's find out. Verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. This woman was a nobody. She was an outcast. She was not important. So let me ask you this. Do you think the religious guy just all of a sudden lost all of the mindsets that he had? The religious guy had gone, humbled himself. God, Jesus, come on, go with me. Let's heal my daughter. They're going. Jesus is walking with him. Now a nobody gets up in front of him, and Jesus stops what he's doing and puts all his attention on the nobody. You think Jairus was happy about that? I don't think Jairus was very excited about this. Verse 26, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. Let me, t let me just point this out to you. She spent all that she had, church. Watch this. She was all, this is such a big word. I hope you catch this. She spent all that she had. She was all about the fight. But it got her nowhere. Why? Because she was fighting the wrong fight. She spent everything that she had going to the doctor. She spent everything she had doing what she thought was going to be the right thing. And it got her nowhere. Now then, she's run just to touch the hem of Jesus' coat. And look what this does for her. She started fighting the right fight. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, verse 28, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. That's what you did. Immediately in her body, and you follow that, and you trust the Lord. And every time the enemy's there to try to, oh, but what about your symptoms? Or, oh, but what about this? Or, oh, but what about... No, no, no. Here's what the Lord did. I felt it in my body. She felt it in her body that something had happened. And so, as this happened, she knew that she was better. Listen to me, church. What am I saying? I'm saying when you find the right fight... You will be willing to fight no matter what the cost. 
And the outcome is always going to be good. When you find the right fight. You keep fighting the wrong fights, don't expect things to ever get better. What am I saying? I'm saying you got a lot of smart guys around here running things, doing things, making decisions. They are not going to fight the right fights to get better. The only way to get better is for this church body to figure out what it means to go, God, as a body, we come get on our face before you. Show us what your plan is. God, surely you're not done with this. Surely you've got a better plan. Surely. I know the last two pastors, the very last one was pretty cool. The one before was kind of a cheesehead. But surely you got somebody better, something. God, bring it. And when you press in to him, you start fighting the right fight. Watch out what happens. I'm telling you, I'll speak a word prophetically over you. You will feel it in your body when you press in and go, Lord God, whatever you want to do, here we are. Yes, we are, Lord. Whatever you want to do, we fight the right fight. And I know some of you have, are, have been fighting that fight. A bunch of you have been fighting that fight. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. It's going to be worth it. Verse 30. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd to ask, who touched my clothes? You see all these people crowding around you, his disciples said. How in the world are you going to ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around. He just shut them up, shut them up, shut them up. Who touched me? Then this woman, knowing what had happened to her, she came and she fell at his feet with trembling and fear, and she told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free to do your su- and be free from your suffering. So I want to ask you, church, did she have great faith? She, she had spent everything she had, and it got her nowhere. Do you think she had great faith? I want to say to you, I don't believe she had great faith. Especially in the In the religious world, I don't think the religious people would have gone, oh, yes, this daughter, she's one of great faith. They would have overlooked her. It wasn't her faith that defined her, but she had just, watch, just enough faith to go, I got to go touch that guy. I just, I don't know what he's, I just know I got to go touch that guy. She just had a little bit of faith. So she had enough faith to go touch him. And verse 35 says, while Jesus was still speaking, some of the people came from the house of Jairus. Now think about this church. Listen, some of the people came from Jairus's house, the synagogue leader. And they said, hey, Jairus, I'm sorry, bro, but your daughter is dead. And they said, why? Listen, church, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus is standing here. Dealing with this lady, healing her publicly, because as, she, as a lady that, just really quick, as a lady that had a bleeding condition, whenever, whenever it was a woman's time, whenever she was, when she was bleeding, she had to say to everyone around, if they got close to her, she had to say, unclean, and she couldn't touch anyone. It was, against the, it was against their law for her to touch anyone. She was considered unclean. So this woman had spent 12 years never having contact with anybody else. She was unclean. She didn't even have to tell people she was unclean anymore. They just knew who she was. They knew her in the community. They just walked right past her. She wasn't, she wasn't even a, a thought in their mind anymore. She was unclean. So as this woman who was unclean, as she gets healed, 
Jesus knows if I don't stop and make a public spectacle of her, she may be healed in her body, but I don't want to just heal her internally. I want to heal her externally too. That's why he waited for her to come out. And he stands her up in front of everyone. And he says, hey, you are good. Go be blessed. You're healed. He healed her internally. Then he healed her externally. And that's exactly what God's doing here in this place. There's some internal things that God is healing right now that is going to lead to some external things. God's already done so much work externally here over the last few years. It's only, listen to me, it's only going to get bigger. It's only going to get better. So, so, so he heals her publicly, and while Jesus is doing this, Jairus is standing right there going, what are we doing, man? You're spending all my time on this lady, and he's frustrated. Then the guys come from Jairus' house, and they're like, hey, your daughter died, bro. Don't even bug the teacher anymore. You know as soon as that happened, Jairus looks at Jesus. Jesus looks at him. They lock eyes. Jairus' body instantly is filled with pain. He looks at the eyes of Jesus, and look what Jesus does, man. I love Jesus. Look what he does. Verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, do not be afraid, just believe. They're in this intense exchange, eyeball to eyeball. Jairus is racked with pain. Jesus said, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, don't believe it. Just trust, just trust. So they leave there. Look at verse 37. And he did not let anyone follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. When they had came to the home of the the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a great commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Why is that? Why? Because a lot of people just like to make a show. There's always going to be people that make a show. Jesus sees them and he says, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep, but they laughed at him. I love this because Jesus, he was the boss, even though they didn't know it, because it says they laughed at him. The next part says, and he put them all out. He's like, oh, y'all laughing at me? Get out. Grab your stuff. Go. Move. Why? Because there comes a spot in time. Listen, there comes a place when we have to recognize the unbelief around us. And no matter how much we love the people that are bringing the unbelief, you better hear me. There's going to be some point in your, t- in your life when you're going to have to, even to some people that you really love, you're going to have to excuse the unbelief. Because you're always making an excuse. Listen, you either excuse why you let them stay or you're going to excuse them from your presence. One will lead you to a place of healing. One will keep you stuck where you've been. Man, it's a big deal. So Jesus puts them all out. I, I do, I, I want to tell you one other just little quick thing here because I want to make sure that you catch this point. I want to be clear on this. He put out the doubt and they laughed at him. But notice what Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't stick around until he got theologically right with them. He just let them leave laughing. There's always, there's always going to be a point in your life when you're going to have to make a decision to be right or to be Jesus. Jesus could have stuck around and put them all straight, but he just let them laugh and leave. You've got to understand that fighting the wrong fight is something Jesus is never, 
interested in doing, no matter how bad you have a need inside you to be justified, to be made right, to get things straight. Just telling you, there's going to come a lot of pressure in your life when you get to the spot that you go, I think, Lord, I want to give you my need to be right. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your relationship with people at work. It'll change the way you go to church. It'll change everything in your life. And this is what Jesus was demonstrating to us here. <laughs> Look at this. He goes on to say, He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in to where the child was, and he took her by the hand, and he said, Talitha koum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the little girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old, and they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders, do not let anyone know about this. And he told them, give her something to eat. We just saw this woman had this bleeding issue for 12 years. Her condition defined her, 12 years. This little girl, 12 years old, listen to me, her condition defined her. She was dead. Both conditions caused separation from people. But when Jesus was confronted with both of these conditions, please hear me give you this word. This is a specific word, I think, for several of you. Listen, when Jesus was confronted with these specific, very, very difficult conditions, notice this, church, he did not run. Twelve years of bleeding. Nobody's been able to fix you. He went nowhere. Little girl, 12 years old, now there's no more breath of life in her body. He didn't run. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care how, how dim, how dark, how scary, how difficult it feels. Listen to me. Whatever the situation you're facing, I don't care how many zeros are attached to the end of it. He's not running from it. That's the guy you want to fight with. With him, not against him. Get on that guy's side and watch what he does for you. So I bring this all home. I'll shut it down. If you could, the worship team, I'll have you guys come back up. I want to tell you this. Our faith, it will either be based on a religion or it'll be based on a relationship. There are always, church, please hear me. There are always going to be those people in your life that say, why bother the teacher? Don't bother him anymore. Listen to me, church. There's people all around saying, why bother? Why bother? Why bother? And here's what I would say to you. Bother because Jesus does. Man, he's got a plan for this body. He's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan for your individual life. And he's got a, a, a plan for you collectively. An incredible plan to see lives forever changed. It's worth it. Whatever the fight costs you, I'm just telling you, church, the fight is worth it. You stay and you fight. And you'll find out when you start recognizing the difference between people that have a religion and people that have a relationship. Listen, people that are religious, truth be told, they'd rather stay at home and read the horoscope than read the Word. Get them nowhere. Filling their minds up with empty trash. And Jesus has a plan. 
Religion will cause you to run from problems when they arise in your faith. A relationship with Jesus will overcome any problem you could ever come to. Let me pray with you. So, Father, I just say, as, as I'm here with this body, what first of all, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the incredible privilege to get to come here again today and, and bring the word in this house. What a great place. What incredible people. And Father, if I've ever spoken a word of you, I know that this is a word straight from you. You have a plan for this place. A great plan. Let this body press in together. Press into you. God, I don't know who the right person is, where the right person is going to come from to lead them, but God, you do. You're not running. You're not scared. You've got a tremendous plan for this body, for each family here, for every individual here. You've got a great plan, and we just say, yes, Jesus, come do your will. Show us how to fight your fight and fight your way. Come be everything you want to be in this place. that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.